Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. everyone welcome to adventures in autism episode 50 i cannot believe we're on episode 50 so crazy but thank you so much for coming to listen i am megan carranza if it is your first episode welcome if you have been listening thank you so much for coming back And I just have to say once again, thank you everyone who has reached out and sent messages or emails or written reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Those really help people to find the show. But I am so appreciative for each and every one of you that I hear from every week. It just is the best part of doing all this. So thank you. And today's episode I am super excited about. My guest is Eileen Lamb. And Eileen is amazing. She's someone that I connected with many months ago on Instagram. She is a a mother to Charlie, who is on the spectrum, but she is also on the spectrum herself. So it was really interesting to hear her perspective as a mom with an autistic child, but then also being on the spectrum herself, she had a lot of great insight. I felt like I learned so much from our conversation and I just appreciate her, her honesty and her sincerity, which we talk about this in the episode, but everything she shares that everything we talked about, but on, on social media as well, she's just really good at kind of towing that line between being really honest and open, but also like keeping things positive and not letting the negative weigh you down, which I think is such an important message. So super excited for you guys to hear this one. Eileen is from France. So she has a super cute French accent. She was so fun to talk to. We did have a little bit of a connection issue. You can hear everything fine, but there's like a little bit of a delay. So a lot of my responses to Eileen sound like I'm like just jumping right in, um, which I mean, you know me, I'm eager, but when we recorded, it didn't sound like that. So there was a little bit of a delay with the recording. So hopefully that isn't too bad. And, but I think that most important thing is our, our conversation and just the message and the perspective that Eileen shares is definitely the most important part. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Eileen. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. How are you? Good. I'm so, Happy I'm to so be here. excited to have you here. So Eileen and I actually connected several months back on Instagram. And I was just telling her, I'm always so blown away by everything she shares. She shares the most beautiful images. She's a very talented photographer. And just the the way that you share your life with you and your family. Eileen is on the spectrum herself and she has two little boys, one on the spectrum as well. And I just love how you kind of share the good, the bad, and so honest and genuine. So I was so drawn to that and I was really excited to to get you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here to share about that. Thank oh, you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you and I were chatting a little bit beforehand. If you will kind of take us back to the beginning for you personally and maybe like what 
what your childhood was like and if you had any idea that you were, you know, quote unquote different, what was, what was that like for you growing up? Well, well, first of all, I was born and raised in mm-hmm. France. So I think that's important. Um, my childhood was, you know, it, it was good. I've, I've always known I was different though. Um, I was different from my peers. I was made fun of a lot at school mm-hmm. because I had different interests from uh, from other kids. Um, I loved reading and writing, which hasn't really changed. <laughs> I, uh, I had taught myself to read and write by age three, which, you know, my parents just saw that was, well, well, that's great. Like they didn't think much of it other than, you know, was was cool. And you know, that's one of the things that I've learned later, later on that it was a, it can be a sign of high functioning mm-hmm. autism. It's called hyperlexia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so did you, and, and you said you felt like you were made fun of, did, so do you feel like it was like bullying or was it just like kids like picking on you, like how kids kind of can do? Um, I mean, I think when it happens every mm-hmm. day, you can call it bullying. Right. I think so too. And I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't mean it in that way. I think kids don't have the, you know, they don't think, oh, I'm going to bully this kid that is different. But for the kid, me, who was being made fun of, I mean, it turned out to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so having hyperlexia it sounds like you didn't have any like struggles academically no not at all it was the uh, the opposite and uh you know it, it was not a good thing because I was very bored mm. at school because I already knew what we were learning and I didn't have friends so I didn't really have anything to do but to think and I was like always overthinking and I had a lot of anxiety mm. and yeah, it wasn't good. Did it occur to you then? Were you like, I'm different? Or did you were you just kind of like, this is what it is? I think the first time I noticed I was different is when the teacher, I was about like five or six, six mm-hmm. it, she asked us to sing a song we liked. And I chose a song from the 1930s. <laughs> it was like a dialogue between a two people it was just very funny like dark dark humor kind of mm-hmm. thing and everyone was laughing so hard even the teacher was like having a hard time like keeping her cool because she was kind of like embarrassed for me mm-hmm. I guess and so I was just staring in front of the class looking at everyone just laughing at me and I think that's the moment I realized like okay I'm really different um, and then the teacher you know, she called my mom and she was like, I think it's time you teach your child, Eileen, to uh, listen to music, you know, that is played on the radio right now so she can fit in better with other kids. So she wanted me to listen to what other kids are listening to, just, you know, to integrate myself better in the classroom. Mm. And what did your mom say to that? She said, well, how about the kids come to our house and we'll have them listen to the songs I listen to. (laughs) Yeah. 
my mom always on my back for like that 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 breaks my heart though to think of you singing your song and the kids just and the teacher laughing at you that's terrible yeah, the teacher wasn't laughing. She was just like so okay. embarrassed. She didn't know how to control the the cows, you know, because everyone was just like laughing and making comments. Yeah, yeah, more comfortable. There's moments like that from childhood that's like you just never forget. They just stick with you. And never. They- yeah. Um. Okay. So then, like, as you got older, then maybe through like high school, did was was the issue still like socially, or did you feel like you were coping better as you got older? Well, then I started making mm-hmm. friends, but I was, like, very naive. Like, people will take advantage of me mm-hmm. a lot, you know, because I was so happy when people were talking to me. I was like, well, I have mm-hmm. friends. But people will take advantage of that. Like, sometimes they would just get close to me so I would help them with their, you know, homeworks because I had good mm-hmm. grades. Um, one time, we had a teacher that was kind of mean, mm-hmm. like, very mean. You would you know downgrade us a lot and my friends were like we talked about it and we decided to do like some kind of revolution revolution like we decided to stand on our desk to protest against them and uh, I was assigned to the role of leader like I would be the one to stand on my desk first at 10 15 on the dot and then they would follow (gasps) (laughs) yeah I think you see where that is going and so I did but no one followed Oh. Yeah, it was very lonely and everyone was laughing and I ended up being excluded for two days. Oh, my goodness. It, it so sounds was, like, yeah. though, it, even like with with your song and then with like, you know, your your revolt that you always had like a strong sense of self, because I feel like a lot of kids like I, I know at that age, I would have been like the follower I'd be like okay well if you stand on your desk then I will too but like I wouldn't have been able to start that so the fact that you could actually even do that to like start that I find that really impressive well I was the leader so to me that was super exciting yeah Yeah, and I've always been a bit of a yeah especially during my teenage years of a rebel like I like to you know show people when I don't agree with them I can well I can see that from just your what you share which I I love that about you I think that's amazing I feel like you're just like that kind of fire within you I think is is amazing um and it sounds like you've always had it so it's really cool yes um so then as, as you got older what led you to actually seek a diagnosis for yourself well, after Charlie was diagnosed with autism, uh, I was chatting with my mom and I was telling her about, uh, you know, autism in France. Like we say that in the United States, autism is very, like, it's not well understood and there's a lot of stigma. But in France, it's terrible. Like, not long ago, and even now, kids are still put in institution because they're autistic. Like, it's terrible. So in any case, I was talking with my mom and you know when Charlie was diagnosed and I tell her the symptoms and she's like well that's no he's not autistic he's just like you you were the same way as a child except you know you talked a mm-hmm. lot too much that's the only difference mm-hmm. and then I started think- thinking about all you know my struggles like socially and with expressing myself like vocally and all of that and it kind of like made sense you know I read about high functioning autism which is not Charlie Mm -hmm. 
and I, I was like, wow, yeah, that that could be me. Mm-hmm. Did so it feel like validating I, for you, like after, you know, kind of because you you said you were twenty six when you were diagnosed, twenty five or twenty six. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. like that that's a long a long time to go feeling like you're you're different but not having an answer when you when you were kind of putting these pieces together did it feel like you were validated yeah a part of me felt like okay so it's not that I'm weird or that something is wrong with me because a lot of the time I felt like something was wrong with Mm -hmm. me you know so that was really good for that aspect of it but the other part of me was like wow so I could have gotten help sooner like what would have happened like would Mm -hmm. I would I have struggled that much in my life if I had gotten the therapy I I needed growing up Mm -hmm. and so that was a bit like you know the yeah bittersweet yeah for sure um okay so let's let's backtrack a little bit then so obviously like as as a child and you know even into adulthood you you had some challenges and things that were were issues for you so then when you when you had charlie what were your first signs with him that you were like "Mm, something is seems seems a bit off or what was what was like a red flag for you to start well so i was in a facebook group with uh babies that were born the same spring as charlie and you know the other parents charlie was my first child so i i didn't know a lot about baby development but back then my only you know, the only thing I could compare it to was other people's mm-hmm. child, children. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other kids were all doing things that Charlie wasn't doing. And I kept hearing, well, you know, kids develop at their own pace. And so for a long time, I was just like, well, you know, he's taking his time. That's fine with me. But then he stopped talking. He only had 10 words by 18 mm-hmm. months. And then he stopped talking altogether. He would spend his, de- his days lining up toys, like little cars. He wouldn't look at us. He had like very severe temper tantrum. He was like very particular with the way he wanted to sleep. Like it had to be on the floor with a silk pillowcase. Mm. I mean, it was just, oh, and he couldn't be around other kids. Like he would see another child, another baby and just mm. cry mm. instantly. And... I think it's really when he started losing the words that we were like, okay, we need to do something. We need to talk to someone. At first, we were like, you know, he's learning two languages. I was speaking French to him quite a bit. Uh, so that might have been it. But when he lost the words yet, that's when we were like, okay, this is not okay. This is not normal. And w- I know you said that you moved here from France when you were when you were 21. So you were already in the States. You're You're in Texas now, right? Yeah, I've always always been in okay, Texas. Okay, so, and that's Texas. so that's where where like Charlie has grown up. Right. Yeah, he was actually born in oh, Boston. Okay. That's what I think about <laughs> it. But yeah, um, I don't think most of, uh, I've, I don't think I've had a guest from Texas. How how are the services there? How are like the autism services? Well, it's not bad. Okay. Like you think like Texas, it's terrible. Um, if you have a good insurance, yeah. then. ABA is covered with a diagnosis and I mean that's what we need we need ABA and OT and speech and we get that with our insurance so um okay sorry that was another sidetrack okay so so he was around 18 months where he started to regress and and lose words so that was what 
really led you to like seek a diagnosis with him. How old was he when he actually was diagnosed? 22. So he was months. pretty young. He was very young. Yeah. Um, was it yeah. hard to get that diagnosis so young? Well, emotionally? Or no, I mean, actually, well, we can talk about that too. Um, no, but I, I've, <laughs> I, I do have a lot of guests on that they have, you know, kids who are, are younger like that, like two or under two. And sometimes it can be difficult to diagnose at that age because they are so young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with Charlie, I mean, it was just so obvious, you know, okay. he's on the severe side that the signs were just like, I mean, there is no doubt. Like, he wouldn't even look at people and say hi. Like, during the evaluation, all he did was t- t- turn the light switch okay. on and off. <laughs> it was just like on, off, on, off for like an hour during the evaluation. Uh-huh. He wouldn't listen to anything. He didn't follow directions. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it was just like, you know, the MCHS? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He scored 18 out of 20. Like, the only thing out of those kills they ask about in that test he could do was like, what? Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So his, so his signs were, were somewhat obvious at that point. Okay. So then tell me emotionally, how did you feel? How did you process everything? Kind of like, I don't know. Like I was happy in a way. I know that sounds super weird, but because I knew knew he was going to get therapy because we wanted, you know, we had done ECI early Mm -hmm. childhood intervention in Mm -hmm. Texas and they were only getting us, uh two hours of speech and two hour two hours of ot and one hour of parent training a week so that was five hours but they're the one who are like you know we we can't do anything for charlie there is more than just a speech delay like it is too severe for us it's out of Mm -hmm. our league and the only way to get more was the autism diagnosis so on that front the diagnosis was a relief Mm -hmm. But emotionally, that was just so scary yeah. because I I didn't know much about autism back mm-hmm. then. You know, everything I knew was from what I read. I had read online. So well, that in yeah. France, it was like the, the it seems like they're even further behind. So it probably oh, yeah. I can imagine that would be hard, too, because it's like I feel like we still we still have so much to learn here. But especially in countries where it's it's even less understood, I'm sure that was scary. It was terrifying. Yeah. My mom's first reaction was, don't tell anyone about this. Everyone's going to think he's a retard and things oh. like that. And I was just so mad. And she was like, it's such an American thing to diagnose a kid that's not even true with, you know, uh, mental health. And, you know, I had to explain everything. Is she still in France? And- She's in France okay. and, you know, she's so supportive mm-hmm. now, but. Oh, no, I her... understand. I, I had friends yeah. tell me that. I had, a, I had a, fr- a friend tell me I wouldn't tell anybody that he has autism. Like, I would just keep it to yourself. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to talk about this and we're going to get rid of this stigma that's attached to things. But I do. I think that people do have that. I, I, I mean, I, I hear from parents I'm sure you do too that are it's it's really it's scary to to process it yourself and then to have when you open up and you tell other people you're opening up to other people's opinions and that is hard yeah it's so hard for sure um okay so then after Charlie was diagnosed right away did he start receiving ABA 
Well, we were on the wedding list because, you know, there are yeah. wedding lists, but it took like three weeks. Oh, we got so lucky. Oh my gosh, yeah. It took us like six months from the time that we like applied and started the process. That's that's great that he got in so quickly. So so he got to start ABA before he even turned two. Right, it was just before two. It was like 23 months, wow, I think. Wow, wow. Yeah. And, and this is something that I wanted to talk to you about too because I know I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for ABA. We talk about it all the time in the podcast. Yes, I've seen such tremendous growth from my son from doing ABA, and I just think it's amazing. Um, And I know you talk a lot about ABA and how positive it is, but it is something within the autism community that is quite a controversy. And I think especially for you as someone who's on the spectrum yourself, you're like kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because it's like you, you can't please everyone. What, what is that like for you when it comes to just, you know, deciding like what is best for your child and like kind of going forward with that? It's so mm-hmm. difficult. Um, and I, my views on autism are a lot different from a lot of autistic yeah. adults. I think because I have a son who is on the severe side of the spectrum. So, you know, it gives me a perspective on you know not high functioning mm-hmm. autism because a lot of adults who are able to speak about these views online have the same kind of autism i have high functioning mm-hmm. and charlie you know is severely autistic so it gives me yeah a good insight on what autism mm-hmm. can be because it's you know yeah it's not the same for everyone and, i really uh, appreciate comes- you saying that because so my son I never know where I would place him. I think that he's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, he is mostly nonverbal. So he, he has some words. He doesn't have, he's not like conversational though. And I feel like when I see people that are, you know, bashing ABA or saying it's abusive or harmful, it's, it, it I mean, it, as a mother, it just infuriates me because I'm like, I would never put my child in a harmful situation. And I feel like, you know, ABA has given him so much and it has helped him so much. And I just, sometimes I want to say to these people, like, does my son not deserve to be helped? Does, should I just, you know, keep him as, as low functioning as he would be without? Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I appreciate how vocal you are <laughs> about, especially from the perspective of someone who is autistic. Cause I feel like there, there is so much just negativity around ABA and, and I, like I said, I think that what it really does is just like give these kids a chance and gives them that, j- just like that awareness. That's what, what I've seen, at least from my son. And I think it's been so, so helpful. Uh, so that's something that for me, like really gets me when people are like so negative about it. Yeah. And I think what these people will tell you is that, well, you are trying to take the autism away from your kid. And from my perspective, it's no, I'm not. I'm trying to give him the best chances in life so he can be independent, so he can communicate, you know, so he can be a happy child, adult, and maybe one day, who knows, like live on yes. his own. It would be like incredibly lucky if it happens. But an ABA is helping yes. for that, you know, it's helping him like not run in the street in front of cars. Because mm-hmm. um, we've had so many close calls with that. And like not eat the litter box and things that people take for granted. Without ABA, I don't know how I will do it. 
I'm not trying to take the autism away from Charlie. I just want him to be safe, happy, and hopefully, you know, he can learn to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the safety piece is huge. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't seem to understand is it's like, I'm not, like you said, yeah, we're not trying to, you know, change our kids and make them not autistic. That's not, that's not ever on my radar. It's really just about making him as like, happy and fulfilled and independent and when I say functioning I don't mean like high functioning low functioning just functioning to the best of his abilities like for my son just he's you know he's six and a half just in the past few months he's been potty trained like that's huge yeah, yeah. That's Which, I mean if if we and, and and it was really because of ABA that he was able to see potty train because we did a, a program with them and I mean that's something that it's like you know it that's like a basic function of uh, like independence and and be self-care you know is to be able to 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 go go to the bathroom and I and I just even even something like that like I think about you know ABA helped us ABA like facilitated that for us and like without it my son could be in diapers his whole life I honestly don't know and I think about you know like I said like the people that are are negative about it and I'm just like but doesn't he deserve that yeah totally They don't understand because, like I said, they're high functioning, and I don't think. Oh yeah, many of them also refuse to say that severe autism exists. They say that it's not autism. What makes the autism severe are the comorbid conditions. So really, the autism is not severe. That doesn't exist in their mind, and it's not a disability. It's just a difference. So you wanting him to, you know, be polytrained and everything to be normal is you being ableist. That's yeah, what I think. definitely I know what you're talking. Yeah, we're definitely getting in. <laughs> getting in yeah. with all that. Yeah, which I, yeah, ableism is like a bad word. It's so yeah. bad. But it's not what ABA is. So that's shouldn't even be brought up into ABA you know, conversation because that's not what we're doing. We don't want them to not be autistic. We want them to be like, you know, independent, fulfilled and all of that. So that's really what I'm fighting for when when people come at me for doing ABA. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, oh yeah, another criticism is that ABA is abusive. I mean, I'm sure there are a few abusive therapists. Right. I don't think ABA is not right for everyone. Like that's, that's not what I don't think either one, either one of us are trying to say, but for, for my son, for your son, ABA is so helpful. Yeah. And for so many kids, Mm -hmm. as long as you find the right therapist, the right center and, you know, 95% plus of ABA therapy centers are going to be good. But just because like one person has had a bad experience with one therapist doesn't mean that the entire field of ABA therapy is, is abusive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people tend to forget. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, so then going back, so when after after Charlie was diagnosed, then he was, you know, getting getting his services, which is great. So then what did it look like for you when you started your journey of, of getting your own diagnosis? It was strange. It took me a while to actually, you know, at first it was just an idea in the back of my head. Like, what if I'm autistic too? And I was like, you know what? I got to find out for myself that a lot of people like self-diagnose themselves. And that's something I I just really don't like because it's, you know, autism is serious Mm -hmm. and I wanted to know for sure. So I went through a 
or therapeutic assessment, it's called. Mm. Um, it's like, yeah, a dozen of hours of like tests and talking to a special specialist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at the end of it, it turned out that I was indeed autistic and it was very strange. And then I looked at Charlie and it was hard to come with, you know, with the fact that Charlie has autism and I have autism, yet we're so Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. Do you feel like you can relate to Charlie because you both have autism or do you feel like it's so different for the two of you that it's it's hard to to relate on certain levels mm-hmm. i can relate for sure like you know the noise like sometimes we're both gonna put our hands on our ears mm-hmm. and everyone around is just gonna look like what just happened but like just because we heard a noise that other people would you know not ah, even notice that's that's so interesting how, how old is charlie now six and oh, a half too oh my so funny yeah um okay yeah I that that must be like there's probably times where you're like oh like you guys must have so many similarities even though it is so different too because like you said your mom was saying that you had a lot of similarities as children yeah like how I like to be in my own world like I didn't really want to talk to people I wanted to do my own thing that was like very Charlie Mm -hmm. like very bad socially like my mom would give me exercise like Hey, go to the bakery, you know, friends say, hi, can I have a baguette, please? And please. And thank Mm -hmm. you. You know, it was very hard for me. Like, you know, look at people in the eyes and all Mm -hmm. of that. And so with Charlie, I I emphasize. I'm like, yeah, I I get it. Mm -hmm. I I understand why you you want to be alone right now. I know why this is too loud, even though people around you are thinking that you're crazy. No, I I get Mm -hmm. it. But I don't understand why he's not communicating i don't know why he doesn't understand more you know direction or why he can be potty trained or why he doesn't understand that eating like litter box is a bad thing you know that i i don't understand so on some ways yeah i, I do mm-hmm. relate but on others like i don't but just because we're you know at different spots on the spectrum that's interesting you mentioned the litter box i don't have a cat but Logan wants to put everything in his mouth and sand is like a huge one. And just, yeah. just the other day, yesterday we were at the park and we got to a park with sand. I knew they had sand, but I was like, okay, we're going to try to avoid the sand area. But of course he goes to the sand area and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to watch him try to avoid him eating the sand. But of course, it's like inevitable. He's going <laughs> to eat the sand. And then it's like, we have to just leave because I, I mean, I can't let him eat sand. <laughs> yeah so that's hard and that's something that I feel like a lot of people I mean I I think that a lot of people understand it but I think a lot of people don't also because we were with like a group of friends and I'm like yeah I'm like we just have to go because I'm like he's just gonna keep eating the sand and they were like why don't we go to like a different area of the park like they were being sweet and trying to include us but I'm like he knows the sand is here now so he's just gonna he's just gonna gonna bolt right back to the sand but then I felt terrible too because my my daughter my three-year-old of course was having like the time of her life and she wants to stay and I'm like no like we really gotta go because he's just gonna keep eating the sand um that is definitely a huge challenge yeah that's very relatable I totally get that especially having like two kids and the other one you know, like with Jude, like sometimes he wants to stay, but I just can't do it because Charlie keeps putting himself in yeah. danger and I don't have the energy to like chase him and like watch him like, you know, 100% of the time. Because I know like if I have 
closure and it's hard yeah oh yeah like as soon as soon as you look away they're like okay what can I do (laughs) yeah they're just looking (laughs) that's how Logan is he's just like looking for trouble yeah that's been a challenge this summer because really anytime we're outside it's like he wants to eat dirt he wants to eat leaves he wants to eat twigs and rocks and it's like there there's some things that that he does that I'm like okay like that's not harmful but that kind of stuff like I can't I can't just like let him you know eat the dirt so that's that's always one of our biggest challenges is just like him wanting to put like non-edible things in his mouth so I definitely understand that um so tell me then what made you start your your account on Instagram and start sharing so openly especially because uh, again for you like as as a a parent of a child with autism and then being on the spectrum yourself I feel like you were like a pioneer with that yeah what well what happened is always love writing i've been writing you know like i said mm-hmm. since i was a little kid and i used to keep my writing to myself because it feels very vulnerable mm-hmm. and everything but after charlie was diagnosed i felt like yeah i wanted to like break the stigma and i wanted to talk about it and i opened a facebook page yeah facebook page and the response from strangers and friends was just like so amazing, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, I keep getting followers and messages from people. Well, like your words really helped me. Like, thank you for talking about this. And it just kind of got, gave me the motivation to keep writing about mm-hmm. this, even though, you know, there was also like a lot of negative feedback, but I, I was helping people and it just, just how it started made me feel very good and happy. yeah I will I when I first started my account because I the podcast has been out for almost a year now and I started my my Instagram account like around that same time you were one of the first people I started following and I like I said in the beginning mm-hmm. I was just so blown away by your honesty and th- there you are so vulnerable but like in in a way that I feel like so many of us can relate to and are so appreciative of because I mean, obviously there, there's so many, there's so many accounts with people sharing things and I feel like yours just really stands out because of how honest and vulnerable you are. Well, thank yeah. you. That means a lot. Oh, I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Cause I, there, there, there's a lot, I feel like, and this is something that I struggle with. I wonder if you feel the same, like I want to be honest about things and share openly, but at the same time, like I'm a positive person and I, I don't, I don't want to be like, you know negative about things like I don't ever want people to like feel sorry for me I don't want them to look at Logan and think like oh like that you know I I just like that's something that is hard for me and I feel like you do such a good job with that of like being honest but not like dwelling on negative yeah that's exactly how I feel so I'm so glad you're saying (laughs) that I guess my point is coming across really basically this is freaking hard (laughs) but I, I love him. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be so sad about your child diagnosis and all the struggles, but still love him. And, you know, with every fiber of your being and he's not less than, and, mm-hmm. you know, you can feel both ways about some things. And I'm so glad you said that. Oh, it's Eileen. That's like what, what really drew me to you. Cause I feel like there, there are some accounts that I follow that they do kind of feel like they're just like dwelling on the negative. And I want to say like, Hey, I know it's hard, but like you have this beautiful child, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this child is such a gift, yeah. but I feel like, and then there's others where I feel like all you get is like, everything is, you know, 
yes exactly and it's like neither neither is real so it's like there's there's this happy medium and it's very hard to find and I just feel like you do an incredible job with that which kind of leads into my next question because you have a book coming out yes I do that is so (laughs) exciting so tell me about the book well, it's uh, it's called All Across the Spectrum, which I feel like really convey that what I was talking about earlier, you know, all across, like from me, high functioning to Charlie, severe autism. And uh, I talk about my childhood and growing up with undiagnosed autism. And uh, I talk a lot about Charlie, you know, the good, the bad and the controversies in the autism world. Mm-hmm. And yeah all things autism related it's very raw and um a little worried about the feedback i'm gonna get you know it's vulnerable but i'm very happy i i wrote this book because i i know it's gonna help people yes i i honestly can't wait to read it you're such a beautiful writer and i feel like like i was saying you you do such a good job of explaining things and in that very real relatable way i think it's it's gonna be amazing yeah, thank you. I'm so excited. It's coming out this Friday, oh August 16th. That's so exciting. Where yeah. where will people be able to find the book? On Amazon, uh, Kindle version, and on Start Catalog, which is my publisher. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then re- something else I wanted to ask you about, because like I said, your the images you share on Instagram are so beautiful. And you were telling me beforehand, like, you don't have a photography background. No, I, I don't. And that's one of the things I like about autism because there are things I like about autism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this one thing is really cool is that when I am into something, I like don't give up and I'm very stubborn. Mm-hmm. And so I love photography and I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I spend a lot of time messing around with my camera. And I'm at the point now where I take pictures that I'm happy with. And yeah. Well, I, and I was saying, I love you'll share like, the this beautiful like edited photo and it looks like incredible and everything has this like glow like it just looks amazing but then you'll show like the if you swipe like the unedited version and I always think that's amazing because I'm like how did you do that how did you make that that? (laughs) that's why I like sharing the behind the scenes now because so people can see you know from that you can get I love I love that you're doing that because that has been a more recent thing that you started doing and I I and I and I wondered that for like I would look at these photos that you posted I'm like well I'm like does she have like a studio in her house like the lighting is amazing (laughs) but then when you you share like the the unedited version it's like it's completely different it's crazy well you definitely have a, a a gift for it for sure well, yeah, you. absolutely. Well, Eileen, it has been just a pleasure to chat with you. You are just everything I thought you'd be and more. Um, so, so sincere and honest, and I, which I just love. Um, so tell everybody where they can connect with you. Everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter at the Autism Cafe. What is the Autism Cafe? I wanted to ask you that too, the cafe part. I just like cafe. I mean, I like bars better, but that didn't sound <laughs> The good. autism bar. <laughs> yeah. So I just said to do cafe That's instead. So cute. Well, it yeah. kind of ties in with, I feel like, the French, like, cafe, bistro, kind of. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it kind of brings you back to France. You I, well, I've never been to France, but hopefully someday. I, I was telling you, I had my my grandmother was was French. I've got it in there someday. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are just amazing. Thank you so much for for coming on the podcast and for sharing so openly. And just like I said, all everything that you share, I know for me, I truly am, I look forward to all your posts. I feel like just so such a connection with everything that you share and I really can't wait to read your book I think it's gonna be amazing thank you so much and thanks for having me tonight it was a absolutely pleasure. same here okay thank you Eileen thank you bye Bye-bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like Something Borrowed or Something Blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Eileen. She is just so amazing. I'm I'm so inspired by her, and I'm sure a lot of you are already following her, but if you're not, definitely check out Eileen at the Autism Cafe, like she was saying, all across social media. And her book, I'm so excited for her book. Uh, we, we recorded this just very recently, so her book is coming out in just a couple days, and I'm so excited and so happy for her, and I cannot wait to read it. So definitely check out Eileen, and if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from you if you just want to say hi or if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, if you have a story to share please let me know. And that is all for now. But until next time, take care.